and getting one means holding your nerve under the ledges, you know, eight foot plus of fucking dark blue death steams towards you. I really like Mikey Wright's mullet, but the only thing I like more than that are his cutbacks. Hey, how do you guys feel about all the blow-ins, all the, all the comp guys coming to your town? Fuck them off. <laughs> Welcome to The Drop. My name is Danny Johnson and this episode we have an interview with surf writer Jed Smith about the Macaulay family. Jed's written a story on Stab Premium about what is one of surfing's chorus families. They're a Western Australian, just a family of maniacs. And after that, we have a montage of interviews with people in the audience at Mikey Wright's latest movie premiere, which happened in... Newcastle last night at the time of recording. Newcastle is obviously in the middle of the waiting period for the latest world tour event and Quicksilver had a bit of a party to celebrate Mikey Wright and Wade Carroll's new film. It's titled Da Rock, as you can imagine. There was a lot of pamped up energy around at the moment in Newcastle and the Prince Hotel was, it was heaving and... Quicksilver partnered with Stab for the release of the film and they, they asked me to introduce it to the crowd on the night. Mikey couldn't attend because he is in the Newcastle event, which means he has to stay in the, the WSL bubble and avoid just being – had to avoid the breath of all the hundreds of his fans that showed up to watch the movie. Because Mikey couldn't be there, we honoured him by celebrating the most aggressive mullets that were in the crowd. And then another Quicksilver team rider, young shredder from New Zealand, Kihu Butler, even he shaved a like a fresh mullet into one of the one of the guys in the crowd, which looked great. I think we definitely changed his life for the better that night. Then we watched the movie, which is six minutes of raw Mikey aggression. Uh, all shot over in Hawaii in this past season. And this edit will show up on Stab sometime in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for that. The place is packed. It was, it was lines out the door. And the people of Newcastle are just, it's such a great surf town. They, uh, there's a lot of love for for surfing and there was just a crazy buzz in the town and since I had the mic I, I ran around the crowd and, and peppered them with some questions so that's coming up after my chat with Jed. In other news I recently worked on a mini documentary on the surf company Rage. I think most listeners would be aware what Rage is and, and who's behind it but for those who don't it's, a, it's an Australian brand and it's surfer owned. And they focus on hardware. It was founded by Noah Dean, Creed McTaggart, Bo Foster, Ellis Erickson and Toby Cregan. And for the film, I interviewed Creed and Noah and Toby and they just tell the story of, of the brand, their films and how it all came together, which I think would be typically fairly boring subject matter to cover, at least with most companies. But I think with these guys approach to these guys approach to business is is hilarious i lit this firework up and it like clearly the rapper was saying <laughs> point this way 
And then all the other ones were working like that. And then this one was just like the rapper was on it backwards. <laughs> Did I hit the fucking ball, man? <laughs> The guy, the captain, like, got real pissed off. At yeah, he's point. off it. He wasn't that off it. Compared to... For, okay, he, he got real off it. We almost burned his fucking boat down. <laughs> I guess I almost did as well. <laughs> They're also super honest and candid with the, with all the answers and points of view. And I think we'll have Creed on the, on the podcast next week to chat more about this this movie and rage and, and everything else that's going on at the moment. But in the meantime, there will be a link in the description and the episode description. So, uh, please click on through or you can find it on the stab site. The movie is called blood, sweat and beers, the story of rage. And now let's chat to Jed Smith about the Macaulay family and his story on stab premium. It was titled steep and deep, Inside the Macaulay Surf Dynasty, tombstones, bombs, deep south slabs, Shipstones bluff, and a world master's title. Meet WA's royal family. Uh, and I fucking cut my teeth. Radio and shit back in the day, in the community radio scene, so, and the bond and the Bondi double, the dub and reggae show we used to have on Bondi FM, fired live on air. Were ya? Famously. Why? How? <laughs> Man, we had these uh, three Aboriginal kids in there, these rappers from out west, and there was just was there even fucking four or five of them? Anyway, there was not enough headsets to go around, so we couldn't hear ourselves talking and so we were just blowing out the meter like we it was just too much it was chaos we, the, the size of the studio was a fucking uh it was like a phone box and there was five of us crammed into it and it was just yeah so this is live on air and it's just peaking and peaking the horrible. whole time and the, the owner it was run out of a cafe uh whatever that cafe was called and the owner this english guy just burst into our little phone box screamed at us and fired us on air <laughs> That's amazing. Far <laughs> yeah, out. Well, let's start talking about the Macaulays. Tell us what made you want to write an article about the Macaulay family? Because mm, oh, it's a dynasty. It's a famous West Australian surfing dynasty. Uh, I don't know. I guess like it's kind of rare to have so many talented surfers in the one family. Um, and I'm always fascinated by... West Australian surfers, I think that whole culture is just so fucking psycho. Like people are psychopaths over there without even realizing it. The whole culture's just like turned up a bit, like the the size and consequence of the waves they surf over there. It's so wild. They're Australians, but then they're also like their surf culture is just so different to the East Coast surf culture, generally speaking. Mm. Um, the weather's extreme and the waves are extreme and – it really breeds extreme behavior and personalities. Mm, mm, that's right. And um, yeah, so I heard about Bronny. Uh, I mean, I saw the photos first of Bronny at Toomey's and like Toomey's is a wave that f just endlessly fascinates me. It's not somewhere I have any desire to surf. You know, it's, uh, what is it, 12 hours north of Perth and, you know, I've been up there, I've been to Red Bluff, um, but like which is kind of neighbor's the Nalu station there 
Um, but yeah, it's just like a 12 hour drive north of Perth. The last two hours is driving across a corrugated sand track that's brutal, like at the best of times. Uh, let alone if you've just dislocated or fractured your shoulder, like Mick Campbell did up there recently, or you know, I think Kirby Brown's been like poleaxed head first into the bottom there. Like every top surfer, every you know, elite level West Australian surfer who's ever surfed that joint has pretty much come out of it fucked up at some point. It's such a heavy wave; it only breaks when it's like uh, in that you know six to eight foot is minimum, and it goes up from there, and it's. You know, it's just so unpredictable with the the ledges and boils in it, and oh, the whole thing makes me kind of sick. Um, so to see a a female sending it in that fashion, um, you know, I, I can't imagine there would have been many chicks who've packed big pits out there. The only one I can think of that I know of is uh, Talia Redguard, uh, mm. Mick Campbell's partner, who's probably the f- fucking best female tube rider in the world i'd say and completely underground but yeah yeah so it's it's nowhere near medical attention if you have a an accident there it's you know you're on a chopper to get to get to the nearest hospital hospital or it's a really long drive uh, and if you're injured over on a bumpy road can be so extremely problematic and it gets called the heaviest wave in the world like it's people describe it as like as heavy as Chopu, but mm. so far from perfect. Like you touched on it in your article, can you just describe like what goes on inside that wave when people are trying to you know make it through these tubes? Yeah, so you know this is all just what Bronny and Dave relayed to me because uh, I haven't surfed it or, or packed one out there. So um, as far as I understand it, uh, you basically got to ho- the first thing you got to do is hold your nerve. Well, the first thing you got to do before you do anything is wait. Uh, the, the lineup is so stacked up there with talent that you're looking at like, you know, it's a, it's an hour and 45 minute wait to get a set. Um, you know, you got like Jacob Wilcox, Jack Robinson, Jay Davies, you know, Rye Craig, the Kirby and Courtney Brown, fucking Jake Perkins, like Lockie Caldwell. And that's not even the tip of the iceberg. There's so many underground lunatics that mm. dominate that joint. So, you, yeah, you wait and then you get one and getting one means holding your nerve under the ledges, you know, eight foot plus of fucking dark blue death steams towards you and um, the lo- the shoulder, I'm told, you know, at any kind of proper heavy wave, heavy slab, heavy hollow wave, you're looking at a line of water that stretches, you know, way out into the channel and at Toomey's where it barrels, you know, two to three times, you're looking at just the longest, most stretched out line of, you know, eight to 10 to 12 foot of ocean. So you got to hold your nerve on the ledge, watch that thing stretch out. Uh, you got to knife the drop. It's very easy out there to get a bit hung up and end up airdropping. Um, and the airdrop tends to end badly. I've seen some amazing ones though that ended well. Uh, Sean Chuni Manners, Dino Adrian, uh, even Jack McCauley, uh, Bronny's brother, got one of the waves of the winner with an airdrop, frontside airdrop to tube. But um, stick the airdrop. You or, or knife it ideally, you knife it, uh, and that first section is a, a little bit like narrow and kind of like looks pinchy. Um, and as you're kind of knifing that opening section, 
Uh, you've also got to contend with some boils and, and a ledge in the tube. And that first bit's like the most uh, difficult part because it just doesn't look like it's going to stay open. But if you hold your nerve and kind of just trust in, in the wave, uh, that, it, that second bit really squares up and it breathes through that first bit and you just get blown out of a big pit and then you can set up for the second and potentially even a third. Bronny made the mistake of, uh, you know, she put in so much time out there in the lead up to getting, you know, when it all clicked. It was like we're talking multiple trips to the desert without making a wave, which is a great, like it's 15, yeah. hour, it's 15 hours away from where she lives. So her and her dad are going up there, um, you know, because she's just so set on making a set out there. And I think on the, the second last trip, she uh, she got one and did everything right. You know, waited a fucking two hours, um, held her nerve under the ledge, knifed one, and just as it was about to go square, she jumped off, thinking, "Oh, this thing's like going to pinch on me." And and you know, it is fair enough to jump off when you don't think you're going to make it, because at least you can control how you fall, and there's a little bit of safety in being able to just jump off and you know, kind of pin drop through the bottom. But then she saw the footage afterwards and was like, fuck, I fucking blew it. <laughs> like I was going to – that thing was – that it went completely square as soon as she jumped off and then um, she had to go all the way home and then all the way back again. Uh, so it's 30 hours of driving all, all up uh, and she just swore that she'd never jump off ever again in the tube. And uh, I think that the trip that she ended up getting a sick – like a handful of sick ones on was – Ended up all up being a five-week stay in the desert, her and her dad. Wow, so dedicated. So dedicated. That's what I'm talking about. Like it's hard to – like people on the East Coast are not doing that. No. They're they're driving four hours like or eight max and they're staying for a couple days, you know, chasing swells. Yeah. It's such an interesting dynamic as well. You know, she's there with her dad and her dad's there coaching her into the scariest waves that, that exist in, in the scariest circumstance being so isolated, it's just not the typical protective helicopter parent, modern parent mm. stereotype, you know. It's, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic to, to, I can imagine, watching your daughter paddle into these horrifying waves and he's been, he's been injured out there as well. Yeah, the best thing about it, like her, one of her sick ones, I think her very first like mental one out there, Dave was – Caught inside. No way. <laughs> Watching it from the impact zone. <laughs> with silver gaff on. You can see his lemon spread in one of those photos. Wow. And he's, he's wearing a gaff because he's, he's minced up his head out there. He had to get a, yeah. a, mil- a million staples in his head. And, and, um, but, I mean, let's talk about Dave because he's the other, uh, the other aspect of this family that's, that's just fascinating. He's, you know, West, Western Australian surfing icon. He finished runner-up in the world twice during his career. But one of the most ama- amazing things about Dave is he's 57 and the reports that you hear about his surfing to this day are just, are just mind-blowing. Like he, he surfs, I've heard from multiple people that he doesn't even pull off waves. He tags them all the way to the beach. He's, he's, He's just destroying them and surfing. Mate, he'll get maybe, he'll maybe get in he'll get in his car and he'll still be head snapping. <laughs> <laughs> so he's reversing out of the car park. He never loses that surfing feeling. Forget five to the beach. It's five oh, like twenty five all the way home. Mate, right to the dinner table. He's floating <laughs> corns of cob with his butter on the knife, just ah, yeah, nonstop on a matapaya. <laughs> and I, one of the best things, or one of the best 
credits to Dave and how well he still surfs is the fact that he he won the World Masters title and he was he beat Shane Beshin and Jake Patterson that are both 13 years younger than him. Yeah. It's loose, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like it, it kind of stands up. They're, they're like goatish kinds of numbers, you know, they're Slater numbers, beating people 13 years your junior. Yeah. It seems it seems more significant uh, past fifty though. Yeah, that's because a good that's point. where you see a lot of atrophy in, in surfing. Mm. People lose their flexibility, they lose their strength, they lose their agility, and he is still out. I mean, he's still surfing Toomey's himself. He's mm. he's he's smashing people. So he's he's an icon, and he's so he's Bronte's coach. Obviously, Bronte's on tour, and um, and in your article, you you touched on a really interesting point that. Bronte's biggest strength, because she's so famous for her backhand surfing, actually is something she taught herself. It's not even something that came from her a former world tour surfer dad. Mm. It's actually just her own study that mm. got her there to have that such a crispy and impressive backhand. Yeah, I mean, Bronte's work ethic is crazy. I think it's probably the defining feature of her personality and uh, her su- success as a surfer like you know she was um just to give you an insight into how hard she works like you know in order to qualify for the world tour she was working as a, a waitress full-time um to pay her own way around the wqs like her parents didn't have the money to support her um and she was studying full like full-time like as a, a primary school or high school teacher via correspondence while you know, chasing the world qualifying series. Wow. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're full on like just a hardworking, no frills, like classic family. And, you know, given a, given a shot at surfing success, I reckon those people who come from those grittier kind of backgrounds, if you even give them a slither, if you even give them, if that door is slightly ajar, they're going to kick, kick the fucking thing down. Um, and I guess when it came to, you know, having success at the elite level there's so many rights on tour that it just it just so it went that she had to get a good backside going and she uh, achieved that just through the air like you said the study of the best male surfers in the world the meticulous study um via video footage um and yeah taught herself <laughs> like one of the best backhand uh attacks in women's surfing which is pretty crazy i mean her, yeah. old, her old man is his signature is frontside surfing like um He's yeah, he's an absolute weapon. But yeah, I, I find it really interesting that she particularly focused on goofy footers because she's not just watching, studying technique. She's watching and, and I guess visualizing as she's watching people like um, Connor O'Leary and these other male surfers that have just these flawless backhand techniques. It reminds me. I remember hearing. Um, when Sean Cansdell was really young, he didn't just watch Slater surf. He would set up a mirror so he could watch Slater uh, flipped and so he turned Slater into a goofy. Mm. And so that was that was just a little technique he would watch because he would only want him to watch goofy footers surf. Hmm. That's crazy. And then the other sibling that we haven't mentioned yet is Laura. Tell us about Laura because she hasn't really – I mean, Bronte's on tour – uh, her dad was on tour, but Laura is sort of still somewhat under the radar, yet she's done like, amazing things in the water. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Laura initially wanted to travel uh, and do the world tour alongside Bronnie, which would have made him the first sisters in history to do that. 
Um, but I think like just the financial realities of chasing the QS, if you're not getting immediate success on there, it's pretty hard to tread water without, you know, serious financial backing. So she went into uh, full-time employment as a physio, I believe, uh, working with, you know, special needs kids, which is, she said, has been an incredibly rewarding pathway but you know her whole youth was spent you know they live in Gracetown which is surrounded by psycho slabs and uh one of the closest is North Point uh which is you know far out on its day might be the best wave in the world it's right up there it's you know we're talking like a what is it like a six second freight train uh right pit you know it's like yeah I think we all know the wave we all know the wave and but what a lot of people might not know about that wave is that the surfers who surf out there a lot and do really well talk about how uh you don't necessarily get a sense of how heavy it is just from watching it on footage like it is a really really treacherous mm. and and and, and psycho ledgy ledgy wave that's difficult to surf yeah it is and yet by the metric of west australia it's one of the more doable slabs <laughs> yeah. is what Laura was explaining to me. Like compared to Toomey's, Toomey's really rattles. I mean, she'd be surfing a backhand. So yeah, you can see why it would rat- rattles the best of them backside. But um, North Point, she, she kind of tends to think is a, a bit more doable. And she'll, she'll be out there at Sparrowfire and spend six hours, um, you know, jostling with the pack. And the pack is brutal out there. Do they reckon that that's – they say that's the equivalent of like snapper on the West Coast. Wow. doesn't break very often and when it does, it's just fucking mm. rammed I, with people. I love that part of the story talking about Dave shoving muesli bars down his weddy and, and surfing for, you know, just forever, all day. Just so crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's so <laughs> classic is that shit. And then I guess the other thing that, that really just paints the picture of, of how gnarly Laura is is that she's the first ever – female to surf the right mm. and if you've seen that footage it's in the story so please click on the link in the episode description to watch it it is it, that's like those waves i mean she's towed in it's not i don't think anyone other than bodyboarders have paddled that place mm. but so obviously that's that's what, what how most people surf it but that wave is like to think that she's going to work with special needs kids as a physio, has a full-time job that is extremely demanding and then just in her spare time goes and and pulls into the scariest looking slabs you could ever imagine is just – that in itself is just – it just defines what I imagine and what I get a sense of from your story, the Macaulay – just what's, what's so unique about that family, the understated but yet mm. just incredibly impressive. What sort of family were they? Like how was it writing the story and getting to chat to them? Oh, man. Um, you know, I think Jacob Wilcox says it uh, in the story. He's like you wouldn't find anyone on that entire uh, side of the Australian coast that would have a bad word to say about him there. Incredibly humble, incredibly hardworking, incredibly friendly people. Uh and yeah, just like they're having a crack. Like, you know, you get the feeling talking to them that like, you know, they don't, they don't think they're anything special. They don't see, none of them see themselves as special or, you know, they're just very quiet, humble um, people who are pursuing their passions. And um, yeah, Laura, like you said, is a psychopath who like <laughs> fucking surfs waves that I would never consider surfing. Yeah. Um, and Bronnie is the same. Uh, and so is Jack. Um, and then, 
you've got uh, Ellie, who's the other uh, daughter, like uh, Laura's twin, and she'll surf. You know, she surfs good, but she'll she'll just have fun riding fishes and logs and whatever. You know, uh, just playfully surfing, and you know, sh- she gets as as much respect and like. There's no, you know, what I got the sense that the way that family is judges itself is like on kinship and love and happiness and you know surfing is such a fucking distant distant kind of uh way to evaluate um success in life which is in my opinion how it should be like it really yeah. is not a not a good indicator of how well you're functioning as a human being i uh I, when i interviewed toby Cregan about there's a rage film on stab at the moment and he talks about chewing he talks about sean manners and how much he charges and rips and how incredible the surf, surfer he is and then he follows it up by saying like that fucking matters yeah that he's a real sort of special special dude and surfer like talented surfer like that fucking matters <laughs> it really is true yeah um so i think they've nailed that formula as good as any any surfing family i've ever heard of you know the the surfing pedigree in the family is unrivaled. It's peerless. Um, they're all incredible. Mm. Uh, you know, Laura reckons Jack's the best surfer in the family and, you know, he's, wow. a, he's a fucking full-time kitchen hand. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> like um, yeah, so they're just, they're just classical chords. Classical chords. Classical chords. Thank you, Jadam Smith. Now it's time to meet some of... Newcastle's locals to hear about what they think about their town being invaded with pros for the current world tour event, uh, what they think about Mikey's new film, Da Rock, and who they think's going to win this comp. Man walked into a bar and said, what? What? Can you just describe to me right now what is going on with this Newcastle energy because this town is on fire tonight. Talk me through it. Knew he loves the fucking party, mate. All right, lads. Are you excited to see the movie tonight? Oh, what movie? Just here for a beer, mate. You've actually got the same haircut as the guy that's in the film. Do I? Mikey? Yeah. Nah. You do know this film? No, I don't know. I don't know who it is. (laughs) You fucking Newcastle liars. What are you expecting to see? Just Mikey Wright shredding the fuck out of a few waves. How much does Newcastle love Mikey Wright? Oh, a fair bit. More than Matt Oi. Oh, really? That's huge. Yeah, that's pretty big. What are you going to see? Yeah, a bit of shredding, a bit of mullets, a couple of land cruisers. Bloody hell. You know Mikey well. How hard is everyone going to rip in tonight? Yeah, on the, yeah, it's Newcastle, mate. Everyone's definitely going to rip in. Is that the Newcastle way? Yeah, bloody oath it is. What do you like about his surfing? I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I'm pretty sure you love his vicious rail attack. It's, it's pretty sick. Like, it's a lot of just power and, I don't know, I guess, like, throw back a bit to kind of that Hoyo age and... Oots! Oots! And uh, where do you work? I work at Sandbar Surf Shop. Classic local surf store? It's great. It's the uh, best surf store in New York, I reckon. Oh, that's a free plug. Did you expect him to see Mikey fucking pull some cones? That's what I'm fucking expecting. Pull some cones? Well, maybe pull into some cones is what I'm referring I really like Mikey Wright's mullet, but the only thing I like more than that are his cutbacks. You're a true surf fan? Absolutely. Hey, how do you guys feel about all the blow-ins, all the, all the comp guys coming to your town? 
fuck, I'm off. <laughs> and what about his haircut? His haircut is a little bit moppy, but uh, I'm cool with it. Would you consider him the modern day Australian sex symbol? No, 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 no. Who is? Who flies your boat? Uh, John John Florence. If, what is his, his, oh my God, I know what it is. Is it his goatee? I think it's his surfing, to be honest. There's nothing more than his surfing, and that's about it. Is surfing still sexy in 2021? Ah, uh, yeah, hell yeah, it is, man. How excited are you to watch Mikey surf tonight? Who's Mikey? You're not here for the surf film? No. Do you know anyone called Mikey? No. It's a pretty common name, Michael. I know a Mike. Yeah. Is this for the fucking surfing thing? Yeah, it's for the fucking surfing thing. Fuck, can't wait, eh? It's gonna be fucking loose. Who's gonna win? Oh, I reckon Italo's got it in the bag at the moment. What? No Ryan, no Morgan Sibillic? Oh, I fucking would say it, but I'd seen Italo surf. I reckon he's got it. How excited are you to see Mikey surf? Well excited. Fucking excited. Tell Mikey to give me a mullet. <laughs> are you from England? Not at all. Oh. I've got world-renowned photographer in front of me right now from Newcastle. Mr. Bosco himself. How excited to watch Mikey surf, are you? Super, super, super excited, yep. You spend a shitload of time with Mikey on the road. What's he like to travel with and, and work with? He's a great kid and he um, puts in 100%. If I tell him to go back out, he'll go back out and he'll keep working until we get the shots, yep. Do you, like, do you actually just boss him around and say, get the fuck back out there? Yeah, oh, I do it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, it's a job. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about having the influx of all the pros in town. Best thing ever. I, I, mate, I nearly cried when I heard, and I just fucking loved it. And I'm still getting uh, goosebumps and, I, you know, like... How wild's this town going to go if uh, Ryan or Morgan win? Oh, fuck. It's going to be like uh, Brazil winning the World Cup in soccer. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. Well, if it goes mad, keep your fucking daughters locked up and batten down your windows because it's going mad. Uh, Mate, you reckon this town might riot? It could, it could, yeah. Getting amongst the Newcastle spirits tonight, it feels like there's a big energy in the, in the air. Probably getting fairly on it, yeah. What does that look like? Oh, a couple of beers, you know, maybe too many beers, a couple of pocket coffees. A couple of what? Yeah, the comp was great, the surf was shit. Who was ripping? Who's your pick for the event win? Uh, You've got nothing, what about you? Alita, <laughs> I reckon. You say Alita? Oh, fuck, I can never pronounce his name. Yeah, but uh, people can't pronounce his last name. You can't pronounce his first name. Bad with spelling, bro. Atlito. Yeah. What do you think you're going to be watching when you, when you see Mikey on screen? Uh, fucking hard. Hard fucking snapper. Fucking pits, I reckon. Like, he just performs better at snapper than anywhere else I've seen him surf. It's actually the whole thing's filmed in Hawaii. Hawaii? Fuck. Is Mikey right your favourite surfer? I mean, he's probably the mullet idol, probably the Australian idol. He's not my favourite surfer. Who's your favourite? Oh, I'd probably go Credo. Credo's Oh, what do you like about Creed surfing? Uh, I like his um, cone-induced cones. <laughs> that, was, um, that was a rather abstract answer, and I respect that. Could you want to explain what that means? <laughs> he just enjoys the endorphin rush, that's it. <laughs> it's all about endorphins, isn't it? It is, really. Um, surfing and all of the other shit is uh, mixed with endorphins. So. And dopamine? And dopamine, serotonin, neoephedrine, all that shit. What's that last one? Uh, that's the uh, adrenaline. 
adrenaline. Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. I've just studied the studied the chemicals of surfing. So tonight at the show, whoever rocks up with the best mullet, Quicksilver are going to give you a pair of boardies. And also, if someone wants to jump up on stage and get a mullet cut in, there's also another prize. We just presented the Mikey Wright movie, and you stuck your hand up at the start of the film. We decided to give Mikey a tribute by shaving a mullet in someone's hair, and you stuck your hand up. Kihu Butler shaved your mullet in. You're looking sharp. How do you feel about it? Um, I'm super happy about it. I love my mullet. Um, I'm not too sure about how my work would feel about it or my girlfriend. That's Can I let you know now that they're going to hate it? It's a free haircut. You probably saved yourself at least 10 or $12. Yeah, no, it's like 20 bucks from where I go. Avorno, did you just get here? Yes. I, I walked from my hotel 2.5 Ks. <laughs> you missed the movie. I missed it completely. <laughs> you idiot. I know. I'm watching the uh, replay of it right now, though, and uh, I'm actually looking over your shoulder and I'm not listening to a single thing you're saying. What about you, Mr. Bins? Give me a little insight onto the Newcastle spirit. The Newcastle what? Spirit. Spirit. Holy fuck. Uh, uh, look at this. Oh, my God. I, I think it's bourbon, isn't it? <laughs> Kihu Butler, you just shaved a mullet into a stranger's head. And uh, I hear that you fancy yourself as a bit of a hairdresser. Hey, hairdresser, you got that wrong, bro. I'm a barber. What did you think of Mikey surfing and uh, and uh, and the clip we just watched? Uh, Mikey's clip was pretty fucked up, eh? He, it was sick to see a clip with no ears and just a lot of rawness, big barrels, charging, big rail turns. You can't we surf for shit. We here for the clip at all. We yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You guys didn't even watch it? No, we're, we're, we're just here for the server, chicks. Bro. So who do you film for? Uh, Leonardo Fioravanti. How would he feel if he knew that you sh showed up to Mikey Wright's film tonight? Um, he actually told me specifically not to show up to Mikey Wright's film tonight. I also, when I told him, or when I told him that I needed a haircut and I was thinking of a mullet, he told me no because that would be in support of Mikey Wright. Uh, I told him that we were going for sushi, and then we snuck away to Mikey's film premiere. I love that. What did you think of his surfing? Mikey's surfing? Yeah. It was incredible. He, he, he has like an entirely new way to approach it. Just the, the, the power, and there's, there's like a raw, like you never fucking know what he's going to do next. Do you think he surfs better than Leonardo? Um, not in competition. Oh, it's heated. What about in free surfing? Do you think he's better than Leo? I declined to comment. Oh my goodness, I think the answer is pretty clear right there. Did you watch the, did you watch the Mikey Wright film? No. Where, where were you? Standing in a line at the front. Oh, it was pretty packed out, it was hard to get in, and you were, were you just standing in the line? Yeah, yep, that's exactly what we were doing. What do you think of Mikey surfing? I reckon he's a fucking beast, brah. Obviously. Your haircut looks a little bit inspired by Mikey Wright, if I'm honest. Absolutely. Have you ever looked back? Only to look back at the mullet, back at the mullet, back at the mullet, back at the mullet. That is all we have for this week. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review this show on iTunes and Spotify or or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. If you do take the time to do that, I'll be throwing out a couple of Stab Premium subscriptions for the best reviews. So take a screenshot and email me at danny at stabmag.com, which will also be in the episode description, and I'll select a couple of winners there. And that 
is all I got. See you next week, mother fathers. Dream team rider. I don't think anyone else probably. We might cap it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I reckon eventually we'll get like, you know, someone else like a younger, a, a, a new like younger kid on. Kelly Slater used a um, rage grip at uh, Bells. And then we were all like streaming it at the airport and we were all on the beers going like, what the fuck? Like Shinya and shit were sending me screenshots of the the um, the broadcast. Yeah, out of known ones must be shit or something. <laughs>